There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diane. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I am reflecting today All right. on the year which has been such a turbulent, strange, weird, but equally at times wonderful year, Inspiring actually. Inspiring. And, yeah. yeah. And the thing that has kept me alive and uh, inspired and engaged has it's been... me. N- no, no. Oh. I know you like to think these things about yourself, <laughs> but um, no. The things, actually, it may be a bit, I'll be a bit kind, otherwise <laughs> I'm going to get bullied on Instagram by all your fans. Yeah. Um, no, the thing that's kept me going has been art. And I was thinking a lot about the work of the artist that we're meeting today, because I actually discovered his work during lockdown. Um, and it was all through imagery like predominantly through um instagram and then also in newspapers and you know he's had a lot of coverage in the last kind of six months say um and i really connected with his work and it's such a weird thing that i've never even actually seen one in real life yet haven't you no i haven't i know you have because i've I've been in pilgrimage i've gone everywhere you've seen you've been to the studio yes you've been to the one that's in old street i saw a gallery uh, exhibition and uh, Goodman Gallery. Goodman Gallery. Yes. And you saw the public one in Old Street, no? Yes, there's one in Old Street and, and on the line. The line, yep. which is in Greenwich. Yep. So you've been, you've done no, the no, whole Stratford, thing. No, Stratford, like oh, three sorry, Stratford. Yeah. Sorry, which is the line, which is in Stratford. And um, I've been obviously in Margate for most of the year, so I haven't joined you. But I've also experienced his work through your posts and your videos that you send me on WhatsApp. Yep. So I feel like... I know and understand the work, even though I've never seen it, which is such a weird phenomenon that Mm -hmm. these times we live in are so interesting. Mm -hmm. But I took a lot of strength from his work, and I feel like um, art has the possibility to change uh, people's minds and hearts, Mm. and it can genuinely change the way that we see and experience um, the world, and it can have this huge impact on... Well, it can change the conversation and the narrative of society. Exactly. Art does that. Art changes culture. And I think more than ever before, Mm. it's such an urgent time to have artists that are saying something so sort of clear and, um, you know, making artworks that people can actually access and understand through visual language rather Mm -hmm. than actually like intellectual kind of, you know, like we sometimes were talking about like lectures that we used to listen to in art and we would just leave not really understanding what anyone just said. And I think there's something about having an artwork that's very direct. Um, Anyway, so that's what I've been reminiscing and thinking about for the last 24 hours. Amazing. Um, So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Thomas Thomas J. 
Ray Price. Price. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I'm glad you got my name right. Welcome. <laughs> well, it's, it's Thomas Price some places and Thomas J. Price. The J's extra. The J's extra. What does the J stand for? I like extra. Extra's yeah, extra. good. Yeah, I'm a bit extra. <laughs> uh, for James. Ah. Oh. Yeah, it's all family names on my mum's side. Did you ever oh. get called TJ? By my younger brother. Ah. Oh. Still does. Oh. And by my niece sometimes. Oh. After I've shouted at her a lot. Oh, no, she's TJ. That's, so she's TJ. scared. She yeah. calls TJ. TJ. <laughs> yeah. oh. She's like, Uncle TJ. She just calls me Tom. Oh. So how did we find you today? We are in the studio because uh, me and Rob have come to Spiritland in King's Cross to meet you. And um, I saw you literally about two weeks ago when I came yeah. to your studio. Yeah. And we were like two metres apart. <laughs> and we were there for... I was in your studio for like over two hours. <laughs> so jealous. And we were just breaking it down and chatting about everything. It and it great. just went so quick. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when you said it was like, it looks at the clock. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I got there at like 10 and then I left there at quarter to one or so. It's, it's something crazy. And I was like, yeah. what? We got deep into it. it we good. did. We went deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went deep. Yeah. Where were you, Rob? <laughs> I was in Margate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, yeah, I haven't been able to leave very much, sadly. But yeah. what what happened in the studio visit? Do you, do you enjoy it when people come to your studio? I do. I love it. Um, I mean, the studio's kind of a mixed-use space, really, because, you know, I spend a lot of time there. Yeah. I'm a proper studio geek. Um, and it's it's nice to kind of share that space and the thoughts that happen in that space. Normally, when I'm by myself, with other people, particularly yeah. people, you know, like yourself, Russell, yeah. you, you come in and, and are able to engage with the work on a level which kind of expands my understanding of what I'm doing as well. Because sometimes, you know, you, 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 you're staring at something or you, something is, you're, you're so used to shorthand with what you do. Or with mm. like your assistant or someone new. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes. You know, I work with a team and, and, and they they understand the bits that I'm doing and, right. and they're able to, I don't have to explain everything. Yeah. And sometimes that verbalising is really useful. Or, you know, when, when someone who comes in to see the work spot something else or mm. sort of pinpoints another angle onto it or mm. just shows a level of importance within the you know their understandings that mm. you think oh yeah of course mm. that, that that bit so it, it, it makes i suppose you get used to seeing it from your vision and yeah. everybody you work with exactly. but then you want someone from the outside to be like well tell me about this and you yeah. think and that's what you're saying you might have missed that yeah that element of that work and suddenly that can then inspire it's, something else exactly i mean yeah. this inspiration comes from all these different conversations and it's also just the, you know, on a basic level, the enjoyment of seeing someone engage with the work. Yeah. Because a lot, you know, when the work is, works are in public, yeah. I, I'm not normally around them, so I won't yeah. necessarily see the reactions. In shows, you know, in gallery shows, again, I won't necessarily see other people. But it's, so it's nice to actually witness someone sort of getting into the work yeah. And then having a you know a conversation about it. I've always been interested when pe people get reviews. So if a critic <laughs> like writes a response to a show, or even for example, your um, public sculpture at the line, yeah. um, that work has had so much response. Yes, but it's interesting when you actually then meet a fan, almost like Russell, for example, who's more of a you know a person that engages with art and isn't necessarily a critic as such. Um, the difference between that, because I is is there a difference between that for you? Like, um, yeah, I mean, there's a difference if someone likes a work and doesn't like a work, yeah, and, and how they engage with you on that basis mm. um you know I'm, I, the work is there to be to be looked at to be critiqued to be dissected to be talked about um to, to stimulate other conversation yeah so it's do you all... find that vulnerable though or do you yeah do you, yeah absolutely. and are you are you doing is yeah. are you incredibly sensitive to once the work's out there <laughs> yeah. i mean obviously you have faith in your own work but are yeah. you sensitive to critique um I, i'm certainly not invulnerable to it yeah. but you know it, it's part of the the deal that you know i think artists 
often make, I certainly have made this deal that if I'm going to put work out into the public realm particularly, yeah. or into the public generally speaking, yeah. then of course everyone has the right to talk about it mm. and has the right to say whatever their opinion is. Now, I also have the right to either ignore or take on board what they're saying based yeah. on where they're coming from and what I think their intentions are and what they say. Um, and, and I've had really interesting, you know, talked about Instagram before. You know, I try not to get involved in Instagram, you know, comment section debates because... <laughs> but you it's leave never... the comments on, though. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, 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 because yeah. I think it's important to leave the comments on. Yeah. I, I know, you know, there are other artists who turn their comments off. off I know. And that's their decision. Yeah. Mm. But if I'm talking about engaging with certain elements, I, at the moment, as the, you know, the platform is, it's, it's a space which it can be a little bit edgy, but... It's a public forum, is public it? forum. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not trying to, like, you know, micromanage mm. the, the image mm. of me or of the work. Yeah. It's about really seeing what people think about this work. But also for people who don't know your work yet, I mean, I'm sure many people will have actually seen it, but they might not even know your name, for yeah. example, yet. But um, if if they've seen your work reaching out, yep. um, that work had so much kind of, there's been so many people photographing it mm. and and but but you're actually making work that's in the public realm so you're making public sculptures and this one is a nine foot um bronze yes yeah, so it's a nine foot um bronze figure of an imagined woman quite a young woman um she's in yeah black bronze mm -hmm. casual clothing yeah. and she's just sort of i would say rather tenderly holding a mobile device yes. and and looking down to it and there's an ambiguity to the expression there's a, a sort of a, a classical nod to the stance, but it's very much a contemporary pose that you know everyone takes up when, when looking at these devices, which so much of our lives are, are sort of um, consumed, consumed by, yeah. but also lived through. Yeah. And mm. the things, these are things that connect us to the world, but also can isolate us from the world. Yes. Mm. And they they harness so much of our dreams and desires yep. and anxieties mm -hmm. and happiness. And you know, it's about communication, but it's about understanding oneself and about also projecting oneself into the other so essentially you know i've talked about them as being these sort of experiments in empathy mm -hmm. and so it's about really recognizing a, the commonality in other people yeah. regardless of what they look like you know like you know my work is often talked about in terms of race and i you know because the people i i've sculpted the imagined people i've sculpted are often from african caribbean uh, backgrounds or heritage like myself and that was was almost like a barrier in the initial stages of people getting into the, the works and understanding them as human beings, as mm. opposed to um, representations of a of a part of society. Yes. Right. And my my stance has always been that these are people. These are emotional states. These are complex internal landscapes, internal world and worlds, mm. which we all have. So what do you see when you look at this object, when you look at this representation of a person? And so, you know, they're not portraits. You know, they're, mm. if they are, they're psychological portraits, but they're a psychological portrait, perhaps, of the person who's looking at the work. So right. the person brings, you know, the viewer brings themselves to the They works. activate the work for they, you. Exactly. So yeah. your work needs an audience. I think, yeah. It's, it's funny because the work needs the audience, but this, the sculptures themselves, the figures they don't acknowledge the existence of an audience. They don't, they don't try to meet the no. eye of the viewer. No. They don't try to... Engage with Engage them. with the viewer. They're not asking them for any attention. Exactly, they're self-contained. But yet the, the scale of them draws so much attention. The fact that you come across this... They're commanding, woman, aren't they? They're yeah. commanding. She's nine foot, but mm. she's, she's not involved in you. She's looking at her phone and yeah. you, you've tired it reaching out. Is she reaching out to someone? Is someone reaching out to her? Absolutely. But as a, as a bystander coming across this, you're like... Is so engaged and you yeah. want to know and she's got like a pair of Nike trainers yeah, 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 yeah. and she has this really kind of casual universality yeah. 
that is based on the authentic lived experience yeah. of someone. But, but also, if you walk down the street now yeah. and you see everybody walking down the street, I'd say 95% of people have the phone yeah. or, the, or the, whatever device yep, it is yep, they yep. have um, connected to their hands so much that it's almost like an extension of our being now. Yeah. And that really struck well, me You've also mastered the ability to work. walk without actually looking at the floor. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> and, know and, and know the horizon and, and you're not going to fall over. And it. avoid each other. Yeah. I always yeah, get yeah, baffled yeah. by that. Yeah. And then when you occasionally see people bump into each other, they get so shocked. Yeah. You know, that, like, how dare you? Yeah. You know, but it's like you're the one walking with your phone in yeah, your hand. Yeah. But it is funny how they've become this kind of extension, like a futuristic kind of sci-fi thing. I've seen people who wait, you know, like you're waiting for someone to turn up. Maybe that doesn't happen during COVID, but... Um, and people pull their phone out immediately. Mm. Well, it used to be... Yeah, absolutely. But I think it used to be... I used to have a cigarette when I was a kid. Mm. So I'd be waiting for a train or a bus. Mm. If I had a cigarette, I wasn't on my own. Yeah. But if I didn't have a yeah. prop, it's a prop. If you don't yeah, have something exactly. to focus on you felt more lovely. It's also less embarrassing or something because you're sort of stood there on your own awkwardly and yeah. people are like, why are they? See, I'm that awkward person. I refuse to pull my phone out so that you, you I, I force <laughs> myself to, to be in that moment and, and feel those, those anxious moments. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's brave and kind of cool. Yeah, a bit weird, I guess. It's not what it is. No, that's weird. interesting. I think that's like... But maybe that's because you're an artist as well. You're trying to like, you sort of look at the world differently. I think or when you notice something... To, yeah. Well, I certainly, when I notice something in the works that I make, uh, maybe it's like a it's a statement I say like you know, for example it was well these because I started making there were nude figures initially very small scale nude figures and I said well they'll never have clothing because for me that would uh, contextualise them too much in a social mm-hmm. what then you were like going forwards I'm never like, going to make sculpture with like, clothing but, right? but they're never going to have cl- why, the clothing gets in the way of understanding these individuals mm. as these sort of psychological landscapes these mm. these sort of yeah identities and it's then I thought why it's quite yeah, well, because it's the interior, yeah. even though it's your concepts, because yeah. it's even it's the, in, the interior of these people, mm. but it's actually the exterior we're seeing. Yeah. But it's the conceptual journey for these for you. Yeah, I'm, it's it's interesting because you know my work is often mistaken for the thing it sort of critiques, which is figurative sculpture. You know, like for, for me, these are generated by inquiry into that. Yeah, you know, psych- those psychological spaces that we all manifest, we all have, we kind of live in, mm. and how those psychological sort of realms sort of kind of are next to one another when we're in proximity and so it's always been this sort of internal which has generated the external of these sculptures so you know I had to learn how to to sculpt the figure in order to communicate in the way that I felt was going to be most effective for trying to engage with the ideas that I was trying to talk about Mm. and and so people sort of took me to be a figurative sculptor and mm-hmm. and the idea of the portrait you know these are these must be of someone mm-hmm. and the, the very fact is that i'm making these imagined people these sort of amalgams in order to critique portraiture itself this this value system that we we all buy into mm-hmm. you know to some degree the expectation is that these are of a particular person and if they're in bronze and they're outdoors then it's got to be of someone who is important yeah and so i'm saying you know, well where is the importance you know and who do you see and so it's it's You're trying... challenging the hierarchy exactly, of, yeah, of yeah. public art, of public sculpture. Yeah. yeah. And the expectation that we all have, so that all it makes us kind of complicit in the the maintenance of that system. Well, well it's a, just a learned yeah. belief system, isn't it? It's just a learned like that that's on a plinth, mm. that's important. And if that's in a public domain, that yeah. has to be of someone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Obviously that's someone. And and you're challenging that saying it's not. This is everyone. Yeah potentially and everyone has that opportunity yeah. and i think that's why sometimes people can get annoyed by the particularly the large sculptures i make do they get annoyed yeah because yeah. they want it they need it to be they someone. need it to be of the thing within the system within the the, the line of understanding which they 
have sort of have faith in. Yeah. You know, which they have resolved in their minds. You know, you don't want another thing. Which now I've got to think about this. You know, it's it. You know, which I love. I love the fact that you can pull people out of their comfort zone. <laughs> exactly. Through something which is should be innocuous, should be you know, there's a person. I wonder. And yet, it's it's like, well, why is she why is she in casual clothing? But does it have something to do with the fact that they're black people that people are challenged more? Because th- this sculpture of this woman is one of three. Am I correct? I believe so. Yeah. Statues of black women mm. in the country. It's the first one made by a black person. Is, and that's just insane. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. Someone told me that. And I was like, really? I mean, in terms of public sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, and so, I guess with the rarity, you know, if you want to call it that, there is a, a higher level of expectation, or there's a, there's a, you know, there's more at stake per piece. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. So why, why this piece then? So it's got to mean more. It's got to mean more. It's like, got to be. Yeah. And for me, they, they, you know, they mean a lot. Yeah. Mm. But it's about resisting the expectation, resisting the demands that society places on black people, particularly, mm. um, to you know this performative element. You must smile. You know, don't seem threatening. Smile, stand up straight. You know, it's, it's all these things which everyone gets, no matter what, you know, what race you, you you consider yourself to be. Yeah, everyone is under the same sort of social, social contracts. Exact social contracts, and I'm I'm using I guess my experience. Um, as a kind of microcosm to to talk about how we understand one another and how we we feel within ourselves and is that understood by other people mm-hmm. you know so like how do we connect to one another basically mm-hmm. you know, on, on a really fundamental level yeah. is how do we connect to each other and where where do those failings sneak in yeah and it's these works for me give people a moment of a moment to confront those mechanisms of understanding you know to to have a become slightly aware of maybe the schema you know the all the principles which form our attitudes towards the world around us mm. um and so you know the figurative works that i do because i do you know, the works come from kind of video works um much more abstract looking looking things mm. but these sort of conceptual works these figures are incredibly conceptual works for me which are yeah opportunities for us to to sort of take note Take have a pause and and yeah and and consider the other as they, ourselves. But they're based on types, parentheses yeah. media types. Mm. So the clothing you've chosen is of a type. And I think I remember you telling me that there was a commission you had, and it was of uh, a young man or a young woman. Mm. And then this was during the riots, and suddenly something happened. <sighs> and at last minute, they were like, "We can't have this because it looks yeah. like." I mean, it really went to you know it went to exemplify exactly everything I was trying yeah. to to push against. Yeah. Right. And it was just after the I don't know what we called it. We called it, the, it wasn't the London riots. It was the you know the, the national riots we had. Uh, was it 2012? Yeah. Um, which the media loved. It started in, in Tottenham. Didn't started in Tottenham, yeah. and you know spread across the country to mm-hmm. different degrees. And the media was saying, you know, it's Blackberries causing all this, and you know it's. it's you know, if you looked at the media coverage, they they clearly were trying to weight it in the, weight the visuals in uh, black and brown people causing trouble, and then at the end, there were a lot of uh, sort of younger middle class white people with yeah. brooms going. We just don't understand what's happening, but we just want to clear it up. And th- this that total skewing yeah. of the visual narrative, this dog whistle sort of element was for me absolutely clear. It was never really confronted. Because um, obviously, as you, if you look at the court reports, it was the the, the people who were engaged in the so-called rioting, um, who were arrested, were across the board. 
you know, they didn't come from one group. It right. wasn't staggered. Um, but yeah, I was, um, I was commissioned. Actually, one of the, the, the first commissions I, I had was to create a, a work for an institution that I won't name um, to, to, to create work that young people could um, see themselves in and, and feel inspired by. Yeah. And I created what now has become the work called Network, which is, um, this is a three-foot bronze figure and also a nine-foot bronze figure, the ones in Old Street. And the original commission was for the three-foot figure. And to, <laughs> I'll, I'll shorten the story, but basically at the very last minute, I was told that I got an email before the the work was going to go to the foundry, saying that I'm you know, I'm afraid we cannot accept the work as it is. Wow! And um, no and it wasn't nude. This was dressed. This, 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 <laughs> he was he's wearing um, a body warmer, um, trousers, you know, some sort of generic trainers, yeah. but looking at what looks like a mobile device. Mm-hmm. You know, the first mobile phone I sculpted was back in 2008, I think actually. Really? Yeah. Was it a Nokia? It was. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a Nokia. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, miss right, Nokia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, uh, uh, you know, so when I got this email saying we can't accept the work, I, initially my, my mind went through, like, there must be some sort of practical reason. Yeah. Um, and I found out later via a contact from the institution that um, it was because it, that there was a worry that the media would consider this this figure to be um, representation of a rioter, of someone who was engaged in the wow. in the rioting, um, and you know they, they they said it was because because um, it was yeah, a, phone. Had a, had a mobile phone, and the BlackBerry Messenger, and all that. Yeah, stuff, right. And you know, I couldn't help but think this is this is nonsense. Like, was it upsetting? Yeah, it was really because because the very people who have purported to say so they they understand we understand your work they approach me mm. we understand your work uh we, we we see what it does we want it to have this positive impact mm. and then they're sort of trying to protect the people represented from an image of themselves and they're creating the very stigma the very yeah. negative associations that they're saying they're trying to you know uh, deal with mm. and it's just like so the people who mean well are compounding an issue that is very serious and has a significant impact on people's lived lives yes you know experiences lived experience yeah it it, it was to be honest it was really worrying and disturbing that this this could happen mm. um i mean it's yeah. actually kind of outrageous it's, it's outrageous because because it's also if it's a cultural institution surely they should be intelligent enough to understand that the reason they invited you in the first place, you know, and if you're creating culture, then that that's there to f- reflect on society and challenge. impact society yeah. and challenge. Yeah. And the mere fact that your work is coming from this, which I consider to be incredible, generous place to make an artwork yeah. that's not just um, not that it's bad to do that because obviously people do make sculptures of important people from history and there's a big that's a whole other discussion but the, but the whole conceptual approach you have is to disrupt people's daily experience to look at that sculpture and then question why it's not some you yeah. know a known figure Absolutely. and why it is actually a portrait of the person viewing like yeah. that's a really generous act as an artist so it's ludicrous that they would then pull the plug I mean it's actually outrageous mm. well it's the fear I think it's the fear that that washed over them uh, that they would get caught up in this media storm and and it would be detrimental to what they were doing or yeah. as an institution. But it's the fact that that then sort of blinkered them to they you know the very fact that they were contributing to this thing. 
you know, to the part of this, you know, what I would call institutional racism. Yeah, well, they're upholding it, actually. Absolutely. And that's the really interesting thing that I think is starting, hopefully, to shift within mm. the last, I don't know, number of months, really. Mm. But I, I think it's going to take, you know, a few more years for it to actually be, in, you know, to start changing these institutions. But there's definitely a thing now where people are having to reevaluate, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas before, I think there has been so much of institutions just upholding all of that institutional racism. I mean, in... in all honesty, I, I hope it continues. I hope the awareness um, creates structural change, change yeah. which then kind of brings in people who are able to maintain the sort of the attitude and the understandings which can lead to progress. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm not talking slightly general terms here, but it applies to so many different institutions, different places. Yeah. <laughs> well, all levels of culture. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But the, the part of me that's seen bits of this before is a bit kind of like mm, jaded jaded and right. tired yeah exactly yeah. i was just like just cautious cautious because mm. you know if, if you take people's word like okay this is gonna be fine don't hey we're gonna get some people in it's fine we we want to speak to you it's good but that can that can change you know the, the, i think one of the, the the most powerful and also the most dangerous things is you know cons- this idea of the incremental and things sort of just shift just slightly ever so slightly you don't even realize and then what, backwards, without backwards. You realizing, yeah. But you know, you but you can also use it for positive change forwards. You know, mm-hmm. just keep moving, keep. You know, you just don't stop. Like, you know, I've talked about being exhausted, but it's. But I'm also really excited and yeah. and motivated. You're fired up. I, I am. I am. I'm I, wave my I feel arms like this year a lot's <laughs> happened, and you've been very vocal mm. in a lot of conversations about public art. Mm. Yeah, and well, I, I think be, that's I think, that's yeah. also really fired you up, and also brought a lot of attention onto you. Yeah, I think. You know, it's, it's you know, twenty twenty has been such an insane year so far. We're mm. almost out of it. Um, I always, you know, I always felt that there was definitely a learning experience in here, no matter what happened before all the conversations I got involved with. Um, I think it's just been a culmination of, as an artist, sort of maturing. Mm. You know, um, finding more understanding in my voice and what I want to say, um, and. And there being these the circumstances to engage directly in the debates mm. which need to be had, and and so there's the, the, the public face of what I've been doing, which is the, you know, the, the public realm work. Mm. There's also the sort of the more gallery based stuff, where mm. you know I've, for many years I've been talking to a gallery audience about the s- similar things mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the humanistic, but also, but also the, the the racial elements of the work yeah. and, and the art world. Yeah. You know. um, so it's it's been a really the impact is different in a gallery space yeah. and in the public realm Absolutely. with your artwork, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a different audience that are receiving it. Yeah, and I, I really hope that there will be um, a sort of a crossover that that happens more. Like yeah. you know, now that you know, public sculptures are very much in the in the public uh, consciousness. Mm. Yeah. Whereas before, I think for many years they were backdrop. Mm. They were the things that we just, you know, just took for granted because we saw them all the time. The decoration, yeah, like yeah, street furniture kind of stuff. Yeah, and but now the the potency and the 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 way that in which they inform society has yeah. been recognised mm-hmm. and and understood by people. Mm. You know, it's it has put a, a focus on my work because for part of my practice, I, I've been talking about that for about you know almost twenty years, which is who do we who do we look up to? Literally, who do we look up to? You know, and, and you, you know, we talked about reaching out. Well, you know, she is reaching out. She's not looking down. She's reaching out, and so there's you know she's on the ground. She's not on a plinth. Yeah, you know, I love that. Yeah, you know, and I and I absolutely love plinths and and how you can play with the idea of status via the plinth. But for me, these large bronze, you know, monumental sized 
monumental you know, kind of material kind of works, they need to be on the ground sometimes to amongst us to really engage with us directly and, and to make us connect to them. And it's interesting because there's other artists in the past year who have also, um, across the world, been making public sculptures. So if you think in, even in England, actually, in Parliament Square, you've had Gillian Waring, mm. who did the suffragette um, sculpture, which yeah. was on a plinth mm. and had a text actually on the plinth. But the reason that was that kind of worked was because it was in the context of other sculptures. Yeah. And she was the first female artist to make a sculpture in Parliament Square and and of a woman as well. It's the first sculpture that was of a woman. So, so that there's was images very on that plinth as well of yes. everyday women now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was quite interesting. And then if you think of Kahinda Wiley's sculpture that was originally in Times Square and then moved and the, um, into uh, where is it? Washington. Now? Washington. Is it? Yeah. Um, and it's it's part of that whole Confederate kind of sculpture. Yeah. You know, and it's on, again it's on a plinth, but then it becomes part of that whole history and yeah. discourse. Like it, it's it's beginning to happen where you're getting different voices kind of highlighting. Yeah. Um, you I mean, know, I think the thing that really drew me to monumental, the monumental sort of um, look, you know, mm -hmm. stylings, was this idea of the grand and the the the, the conquering. And all the you know the incredibly importance of shoulders back, head up, and the strident sort of attitude that's projected and emanates from these right. these figures. Well, my figures sort of they look at their phone, yeah. they slump a little bit. They might not be the you know the most idealistic uh, proportions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's about rejecting that whole notion of superiority. Like, yeah. is that that whole idea of buying into a system which creates and maintains a hierarchy of like value within yeah. people? So. Because it doesn't matter who is the conquering hero, ultimately. Yeah. You know, like, okay, it's good to remind us that this is who we normally see. And they're always staring person. out, looking at eternity. Yeah. It's like they don't... They, yeah. And, and your your characters, your figures are... They're in their heads. Yeah. You know, for me, they're in their heads. And it's about drawing the viewer into those heads. And it's not about sort of recreating or mimicking, you know, these conquering heroes... It's about finding the heroic within the everyday. Yeah. And for me, that's the distinction between what I do and what monumental sculpture has been doing or is. But it's so interesting because when you puff up your chest, mm. you know, like a lot of these these public I sculptures have been for a it almost shuts people out. Yeah. There's something about that superiority and the heroic mm. and that it almost pushes people away. Yeah. Whereas what you're doing is bringing people in. Yep. So that empathy thing and that... The, the idea of like trying to connect the you know, like the universality of yeah. yeah it's really I was really talking about powerful. the push pull so like right. with the, when I started with um, very small sculptures which were like again I, I consider monumental in terms mm. of their detailing and and the size of them was about creating the idea of density which which sort of sucked the viewers into them mm. and you know there'd be like one small head on a, on a on a huge wall with a spotlight on it which Russell's by the way obsessed with. He's, he's been texting me pictures and he's completely obsessed with your small sculptures. But there is a weight to them and like yeah. a like a, a powerful energy yeah. resonating from it, them. Isn't that the play with the scale? Because exactly. when we first met, I remember I saw Rom Ewick's My Dead Dad and I shared yeah. this with you at the Saatchi Gallery. And it's a, a figure of his dad, but it's scaled down yeah. one third the size. Yeah. But it's all proportionally within that scale, perfect. And mm. I remember just being so moved and captivated by it because if it had had been like real scale i wouldn't have been as connected to it's i don't uncanny, think isn't it? i think i'm um, you like okay i get what it is but this there's yeah. something about the playing of scale yeah. and that is so important to your work yeah. what why why do you think it has that because it allows for a different experience and and it makes people notice it more if you 
play around with the scale. I think it's exactly what you just said, really. It's, it, it makes people think about it. So instead of just being like, you know, our unconscious minds go, right, recognise that, yeah. move on. Right. You know, with, with Newark's work, I think his played really with the idea of perspective or distance because it was so, you know, the hyper-realism yeah. of that work uh, made you almost question where you stood in relation to that object. So are you looking at an, an image of this thing? Because how can I? How can it be that small? It looks mm. perfect. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I love that about that work and, and the optics it kind of plays with in terms of, you know, distance. Um, with mine, they're very much trying to be like these objects. So it's like they are... They are of sculptures. These are these are these are these are artworks about about sculpture, about statues. In, in sculptures many ways. that are about statues. Yeah, yeah. and which is quite meta. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and um, you know, it's I wanted people to look at the to consider who is represented here, who would I normally see in this kind of style, and then have to sort of work out their relationship. You know, in terms of how they felt. You know, in terms of scale compared to these objects yeah so you know with the with the early works they had lots of detail which would try to pull the draw uh, draw the viewer in mm-hmm. to to kind of start getting like face to face with these little things yeah oh. and and so you know shift the viewer you know to control the viewers bodies basically um and their feeling of either feeling you know, comfortable or powerful in these in these sort of moments of confrontation with another mm-hmm. you know, with a person or with a representation of a person mm-hmm. so i mean <laughs> i'm talking a lot here but you know I, I was playing a a lot with in terms of material you know like so instead of using marble i was using plaster with a bit of marble dust in it maybe and mdf shells with one screw in um then i was using you know bronze but then i would patina it in a way that looked a bit more plasticky um and and scale has yeah you know has always been that incredibly important element in terms of creating the dynamic with the viewer which kind of influences the, their entry point and to the work, to the understanding of the work, and then sort of, you know, augments the experience of, of that, that viewing or that kind of relationship with the work, that conversation, internal conversation with the work. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm talking a lot of work. No, you're not. <laughs> so, as, so as an artist now, now you're having more attention and these works are out in the public realm and they're being discussed. Mm. What does that feel like? Is that a pressure now or is that uh, a, a kind of catalyst for more exciting ideas I feel, I feel really um charged up by it and very grateful that you know i didn't I, you know i kept going basically um because there's did a lot you feel of like giving up it i didn't feel like giving up but i did feel like you know there's there's so many ways that you know ideas come into you know as an artist any kind of creative there's so many ideas and so many different ways to execute these ideas and different avenues to go down and i really you know i think since i was young I had an affinity with the kind of thing i'm doing now and instead of getting drawn into other ways of presenting work to try and um, you know, kind of get more attention, I really stuck to what um, what felt genuine to me. And and I'm you know it's it's quite a surreal experience now that there's lots of other people on the same page going oh yeah of course that and then telling me about it. I'm like oh right yeah yeah well that's, okay, <laughs> let's, let's continue yeah. this conversation. This is great. Um, in terms of the you know the the attention that's kind of come to the work now, I, I feel that's it's amazing it's like i feel that there there's a lot more that can be done mm. i feel there are you know i would love to get the work out there in front of more people where would you where's the dream place to have your work pu- publicly <laughs> you know, you're I, in yorkshire sculpture park yeah, we're, we're on yeah. the line yeah. you're at old street roundabout mm. 
Um, I'm sure that they're they're great places, but mm. there's they other, are. They're really, you've also got work up in Canada. You have. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's seeing the work internationally, which has been because America's been incredibly uh, rewarding for you, hasn't it? Yeah, um, the, the conversation in America, particularly around you know in society and around racial politics, identity politics, and history, and you know, kind of taking ownership of their history and looking at the realities of what have happened mm -hmm. as opposed to the textbook version of what's happened is really uh you know inspiring um and yeah. i hope that they continue and to to challenge themselves and and, and live with that uncomfortableness until things are oh, you know, out there yeah and we have to do it here as well yeah. so you know, do you I feel would, like here we we try and let ourselves off a bit like we're not like america well we say that don't yeah. we? we say well we're yeah. not like america and then we dismiss it, and that's that should be enough. So we're not like America. So okay, next yeah, question: what, what about the weather? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's where we kind of want to exist. And but th there are institutions and uh, different scales who are who are wanting to now, you know, be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. And yeah. I've always said, like, there seems to be this expectation, um, particularly in white society, that you shouldn't be uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I've been uncomfortable for so many years. Yeah. Like, the questions I get, the places, like, the spaces I go where I'm, like, the only one, you know, inverted commas, you, you learn to deal with being uncomfortable as mm. a reality. And I think, you know, that's how we grow. You go, this is my lot, this is what I'm, yeah, I've got to deal with. Like, but even like making work, like if you just make work where you feel comfortable, then mm. you, you stagnate. Cool. Yes. So you've got to push got to you know, push. in everything. And I think we have to do that in terms of our character and in terms of um, how we live our lives. Mm. You know, you've, got to, you know, you've got to be uncomfortable. But, but also being an artist is quite an uncomfortable sort of uh, journey anyway. And like mm. the, I was thinking just now about certain artists that I, I love the most and they are almost like long distance runners yeah, there's some kind of like it's like the whole of your life you're just running and then well, it's a hoping... marathon not a sprint isn't it yeah it's but it's like... really it is really pretty exhausting to yeah. be honest it's relentless yeah it's um it, it is relentless and and I love it yeah it's, good. I think <laughs> good. That's, I think that's that's what I really drew me to it is that it doesn't end until you do um and then maybe someone else picks it up and, and runs with it um yeah I well, art history-wise, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes your so it's, thing, it's, and then yeah, they go, and, and they go with it, and, and the yeah. story continues, and, yeah. and hopefully the ideas get to you know live again in different contexts and, yeah. and inform other people, and and you know I don't know, be yeah, just be enjoyed and and sort yeah. of be of value throughout you know throughout time. But well, I think yeah. what your work is doing is incredibly valuable and definitely pushing the narrative and the conversation on. Absolutely. What What do you feel about? Um, I, I heard Steve McQueen the other day talking about his new TV series that he's just made, Sm and he small was acts. yes, exactly. And he was talking about um, the idea of them being well. The journalist was talking about them being sort of uh, black British mm -hmm. stories, mm -hmm. and Steve said, "No, they're British mm -hmm. stories." So, how do you feel as being a British artist? Yeah. Uh, you know, because now your work's obviously being shown in Vancouver and in America yeah. and in yeah. Canada and whatever. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Britishness within your work? I, I feel very British. I mean, whether or not other people have considered me British is another matter. Right. I feel British, yeah. but I think sometimes what British means is uh, is it's been narrowed down by other people. You know, I, I remember <laughs> someone asking me, you know, where am I from? And I said, I'm from I'm from London. I go, no, but where are you really from? You know, I go, oh right, well I was I was born in Camberwell. Like, no, 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 where are you really? You know, I got down to a street until I went, well, my, my dad's Jamaican. I went, ah, that's it, you're Jamaican. And, you know, it's it's sort of... Palatable for them. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you know, that's, that's a question that is, you know, 
most people who are not identified initially as you know the understood idea of British will will recognise that um, little conversation, that interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel I feel British, but that's because I, my understanding of what British means is a bit more expansive, perhaps. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's when we look at, for example, like the Windrush. You know, I'm doing the Windrush Commission in Hackney. Yes, um, this is an incredible opportunity to really kind of create a visual representation which creates yeah this sort of understanding within the fabric of society you know but you're talking the, to the community around talk, there as well yeah so i'll be yeah. talking to the community and 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 we'll be you know doing photographs and interviews and scans and all sorts of things to try and build a a, a picture of what it means to be from windrush you know connected to the windrush mm-hmm. um and living in the uk and being British or being whatever they consider themselves to be, you know, mm-hmm. but being accepted for that, mm. but being acknowledged as part of British society and and not having to explain where you're from. Where am I from? Well, look over there because there's some big statues that look a bit like me. Yeah. You know? that, that kind of yes. thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it, it won't work. Maybe it will work. I don't know. But for me, it's about creating a visual um, understanding of what British could look like. Right. You know, you don't have to be wearing the the British, you know, athletic vest or something or, yeah. you know, it's it's about all sorts of parts of society, you yeah. know, recognising the, the complexity and the beauty of the variety that we have here. And that has been here for so long. Yes. It hasn't just turned up. No. It's been here for so long building what we understand as, as Britain. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, and contributed to the whole of culture and changing yeah. society. Yeah, yeah constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like not just music, you know, but everything. Yeah, and and it's yeah. about just there. There is a an ordinary, you know, inverted commas, looking person. It looks like me, you know, and that's British. Yeah, yeah. That, it's such a simple thing, and yet I said that, and I'm like, oh god, yeah, okay. You know, it's it's just to not to have to explain oneself at every party you go to. Mm. You know. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um, well, I think you said some inspiring things about where some kids have gone past your work and mm. gone like, oh, look, mum, it looks like me. Yeah. And that is so, and the fact oh. that that is rare yeah. is so offensive in some ways that, that 
art has a responsibility to yeah. represent diversity in the world. And unless you see yourself in art, sometimes you don't. But also don't... It's, it's opportunity yeah. as well. And I was going to ask you about that, because if you think now, you know, you're, you're getting really well known, you've got giant public sculptures, you know, there, and they're going to be there forever, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there's this idea of like you as a kid, say, mm. when you were beginning to make and be creative, how, how do you think you've been able to get to where you are now? Like, is it about, you know, is it because you had opportunities? Because I feel like we need to to make more opportunities yeah. for all kinds of artists as well? That's a really good question and a very tricky one to answer. Yeah. Um, I think there was quite a lot of luck. I think I've been incredibly lucky in terms of having support around me. So I, you know, I have to be a bit of a cliche here and go, my, my mother is an absolutely amazing woman who supported any crazy idea I had about what I wanted to be. That was my mum. Yeah. My mum as well, actually, yeah. So, so I think there's a commonality then, mm. you know. Yeah. I think if you have someone who you look up to and who you love... Champions and who, like, enthusiasm, champions, yeah. Exactly, and embraces that yeah. and, and helps you expand that and harness that and, and employ it just into your life, mm. you know, the, you'll find your thing... Like, I didn't always want to be an artist, but you'll find your thing. What if, was you before you wanted oh, to be an artist? Man, I, I want to be so many different things. I, do, <laughs> I just wanted to try and be good at something. Uh, I wanted to be a, a physiotherapist at one Did point. Did you? Yeah. Really? So sport, I, it was sport. A kind I, of I thing? loved sport. Yeah, I loved. I loved the. I loved the training element. I loved the. Um, Perhaps the, the the results based kind of side of yeah. it, but also that trying to incrementally. I talked no, second time I said that trying to get better at something. And I think when I first got into arts properly, as thinking about it as a thing that could be you know looked at by other people, not just myself. Yeah, it was. I, t I took on an attitude of like sports. You know, like if, if you just keep training, mm. you know, keep doing it, keep pushing it, and competitiveness with yourself and your peers <laughs> I, I'm certainly competitive with myself which is the worst thing because it means that you, you you try and leave the studio and then you go back in oh, just yeah. and then you go leave the studio again you go, oh yeah just went back in because you know if, if basically if I leave the studio I don't feel absolutely broken I feel like I've cheated myself, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, I guess that's like playing a match then. That's the sport element of it. Yeah. You, you kind of have to break your body down yeah. and I'm exhausted. I'm just thinking about competitive with other people. I'm, I certainly, I think, you know, sometimes you're so inspired by other works you see yeah. perhaps or the, when you just see the, the work ethic, you know, I think, I'm, <laughs> when I think about work ethic or just absolute quality of work, I think like Kerry James Marshall or someone like that. Mm. Um, and you just, yeah, I just think that is an example of a kind of artist that, just doesn't stop and it is, is what they do and mm. there's that rigor to what they do and I, and I want to make sure that if people are going to spend their time or their money looking at something I've done mm. it contains that rigor and and all that energy that I expend into it so that you know that contract that we talked about before social that social contact yeah. contract is also um, there in a more kind of like intimate kind of way uh, you don't between, want anyone to feel cheated by your work you want it to be yeah and maybe that's authentic a, and yeah I'm just thinking that's a, quite a weird way of thinking about it's it. It's not, though, because that means it strives for you to always be the best. But it's also yeah. about hon honesty, I guess, yeah. isn't it? And, and the, this idea of the truth, at least mm. your truth yeah. and your perspective that you're then putting out into the world. It's really yeah. important, actually. that, And that's also why it resonates. I've always, always kind of wanted to make sure that I ask myself those difficult questions mm. and and listen to the answer mm. yeah. and, and then distill that answer or that genuine line of inquiry into the works mm -hmm. and that's why the works speak to one another and people often ask me what's your favorite work I, I don't have one because every time i do something that i think is really good within a particular work yeah it exposes something else that i feel needs to be explored further right. wow. and so it just bounces me around these different pieces of work 
constantly propelling itself. Yeah, forward. it's like yeah. self-perpetuating, so noticing something new in in another piece. Yeah, or the the, the, the approach to the piece. So yeah. you know, for example, when I said like, of course, you know, these works need to be nude in order to kind of retain their sort of uh, the genuine sense of who they are within society without being kind of you know, positioned positioned via their clothing. Mm. That that statement was had to be challenged by myself. I was like, well, wh- why do I think that? You know, why do I really think? And what would happen then if I didn't? Mm. And so, and that led to this whole new line of work where I did look at clothing and I looked at the tradition of drapery and how clothing is being used, in particularly in public sculpture, or mm. a way to kind of show affluence and position and and critique it via the things that I understand now. And mm. that led to the first piece I did called a uh, new drape, which was a, a guy in you know, trainers and jeans, just with a jumper, with his hands in his pockets. Mm. You know, this thing that you're not supposed to do. And you know, in the US and other countries, you can you can get shot for. Mm. So oh, right. you know, these very subtle, very subtle sort of political things. Yeah, yeah. The, the gestures, yeah. these tiny gestures that I think for a lot of people it means nothing. It's like, well, of course you put your hands in your pockets, but you know, you do that if you look a certain way. You do that. It's a whole different game. Wow. You know, so it's yeah. There's there's a there's a there's a lot to the the kind of conceptual element to why figurative work yeah that that keeps me in it yeah you know I'm I'm kind of expanding into doing more of what I began with which was like abstract looking works which deal with the kind of the way that we look at things or the way that we hear things or process things but mm-hmm. in terms of connecting to an audience there's a directness and a kind of efficiency with the figuration which I think is um, which is quite important at the moment. So yeah. that's what I'm pushing. And, and actually that word rigor that you were using mm. to describe Kerry James Marshall is why I think your work is really good because I think you have got, not good as in, I mean, <laughs> the best word to use probably, but you know, nice. effective, <laughs> no, but, uh, effective, why your work is actually impacting people's lives is because it does have that rigor and that intention that is very critical. You know what I mean? And mm. you, you seem to have a, I've never met you before, but, you know, just from spending this hour with you, you you've got a very um, clear way of communicating and yeah. understanding what it is your mm. purpose is in the work, you know? And I think that's actually, it's going to be its strength going forwards too. Um, I hope so. I, I just think, yeah, I just want to kind of stay on top of it and mm. and not ease up and, um, you know, take anything for granted, basically. I think mm. that's what all the, the good artists that I sort of enjoy... You know, looking at their work, they they don't they don't kind of ease back. Uh, Julia Peyton Jones, we interviewed, and she said that artists. Her advice was, don't believe your own press release. Totally. Yeah. Mm. So you got to do. You just got to stay in your head and yeah, be yeah. on that prize. Yeah. So these characters, the figures, are all imagined. We yeah. talked about. So where do you get? these characters from are you someone that sits on a bus and watches people do you work for photography are you into movies and tv and yeah. theater are all these things like the theatricality of life yeah do you just take that all in or do you have a process as well all of that well it, it's changed over time yeah. um, and i still on the way here in in the cab i was i was actually looking at people through the window yeah and catching them in their sort of i call them the, you know the, those honest moments those sort of off-guard moments where you're not presenting anything, you're not trying to come across anyway. Or when the smiling. selfie comes up on selfie your phone comes up, yeah. and you've got your wrong way around. Like, well, oh. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, yeah. I used one of those as, as my uh, profile picture once because it was like a nice, I was just smiling. I think I was talking to someone and it was like a great picture. Yeah, there was yeah, actually yeah. an amazing video I told Russ and we interviewed Tukwase Dyson um, uh, for the podcast and she posted this thing of her Zoom where she's trying to set up the Zoom yeah. for a chat and she wasn't sure how to do it. Yeah. And you see this whole sort of two-minute section of her moving around. It's so beautiful, <laughs> yeah. though. It's a really great portrait of her. It's, it's those genuine, genuine moments. Yeah. 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 yeah, those genuine moments where you might not be smiling because 
you don't have to smile. <laughs> you understand that you may be happy or may, you know. So I like those moments of absorption that people have um, until they catch me looking at them and then it's a bit awkward. But um, I also do look at movies and, 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 and magazines. But when I'm doing that, I'm looking more at how people are presented. Like dressed or hair or... Dressed, um, the hair, the styling, but also the, the, the script. Mm. Also, the the positioning, the the kind of positioning within a screenplay, mm. the positioning within an editorial. Who are these people supposed to be? What are they representing? And what are they how projecting? Are they what are they well? projecting? Yeah. How are they being used to project a particular thing? And so sometimes it's you know, it, so what was it? God, I'm quite old now. It, back in like two thousand and one. You're not. You're my age. Thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, I'm young. Yeah, yeah. I'm the oldest in here. I'm forty. Yeah, old hag. We're all young. We're all young. Yeah, we are. We are. But I would look at you know the 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 press coverage, the the written the copy for these press things, and and again I would look at the descriptors used and when they were used, and I would I couldn't help but kind of gravitate towards when the word black was used. Mm. And black was often used, and I haven't gone through and checked now, so it might be different, but I doubt it. Was used only like in a negative context. You know, like, you know, I'm a bit of a geek, so you look at like Tolkien and something like that, and you know, black mm. is bad, basically. So we kind of grow up on that. But, you know, in, in the press, when they're describing an individual, mm. you know, they would make a point of noting their, you know, perceived race mm. if it was a sort of a negative story. And yet, if it was something like, you know, uh, a, a triumph for the country mm. or something that's been achieved it British. would be british yeah and and i you know even as a as a as a younger person i would see that and and you feel that that resonates within you and that creates this sort of this 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 feeling of you either go with that so you have to you have to be good you know and and this way of internalizing this sort of negative trope which is connected to a very the very part of your being which you cannot remove yourself from yeah. And and then that idea of like, well, why should you? Like, why why is it being used in this manner? Um, and I think that sort of was always that awareness was always there with my work. So even when I talk about us creating these works that are about humanity, about how we all feel, about how we connect to one another, how we experience the same things, yes. But you know, I talked about microcosm before. I was trying to use the truth of my experience and the awareness of that experience to try and engage with viewers, other people, about what is the truth about your experience? Mm. And do you recognize this with me? Right. And I think that's that sort of dynamic is still present in my work and in, in the process in which I work. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what we're talking about now. I'm just going off on that. No, but, I love yeah, it. But, you know, it was, yeah, it's trying to retain that authenticity and one's truth and connect that to other people's lived experiences. Um, so not to, you know, I've never wanted to say this This work is about being black. You know, like reaching out is not, for me, um, about being black. It's not about being a woman. It's about existing, existing living in this world and the things that are brought to that. The projections that are on you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting in the time that we've been doing talk art and even being your friend, Russ, because Russ is obviously an actor. And when you're talking about the influence of film and um, TV and well, scripts and things like that in your work, and, yeah. but it's interesting the kind of the idea of construction of the self mm. and how when you do like a fashion shoot, say now, you can often come across a certain way in a photo mm. that looks amazing and really appealing. But Thank I often you. look at it and I'm like, 
that's not actually the Russ that I know, if that makes sense. But it's a character he's playing. So like, even yeah. no, I don't mean that. I don't mean. Like a bag, a bag of shit. Yeah, I'm like that can't be Russ. I've been photoshopping that. By you? Um, yeah, big photoshopping. Yeah. Um, no, but it's like this idea of different selves and the yeah. way that he will act even in a fashion yeah. shoot and become a persona that yeah. isn't him. But yeah. it's really interesting this character construction. I've been absolutely fascinated with that, and I think if I wasn't such a, a chicken, I might have tried to be an actor. But I think yeah, that manifestation that that creating this so the understanding of character the understanding of of how people are reading us mm. and then manifesting that then kind of creating that in real time is yeah and we all do it mm. we all you know how we code switch you know and do all sorts of things mm. i just find it absolutely fascinating and addictive mm. i mean i got totally obsessed with this the idea of body language i think when i was about 18 19 i, I bought a book on body because yeah. i was i was i knew that I was being looked at in a certain way and yet mm. I felt a, a totally different way. So I was being like kind of perceived in a way for what I was wearing or, you know, because I'm not an idiot and um, despite what people say. And, <laughs> and I, but I knew that well, the, when I would recognize that, oh, this person has just moved away from me because they thought I was going to do something or I might do something. I'm like, like the, but here I like am. The like the hoodie. Yeah. Like. And, and yet I'm like, you know, the least likely person to do anything. It's like, it's like that kind of dichotomy in your mind. It's like, so, ooh, but maybe I am like this. And so I was, I was just really it's interested. It's funny how you can recognise that in someone else's perception of you. I've had yeah. that experience myself where yeah. I felt like someone's felt threatened by yeah. my presence mm. or yeah. somewhere. And I'm always like, you, yeah. no, 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 yeah, yeah. darling, you've really not got to worry. Which almost makes it worse, probably. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm really... That you know, agitation's probably yeah. making the situation. Well, this is yeah. thing, there's this memes yeah. going around like gay men when they're walking, there's a woman walking on their own and the gay uh, man's walking behind them. They want to sort of shout out and go, I'm gay, it's okay, I'm not a threat. Don't feel like, because you feel this like responsibility. Yeah. And it's a, it's actually a quite a horrible feeling, feeling like someone else is threatened by you or intimidated yeah. by you. I mean, and absolutely, I, I would hate also to go around the world, you know, live my life having to, or feeling threatened by people, you know, yeah. being in that vulnerable position. So I, 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 I understand yeah. the, the other side. and It's no kind of judgment necessarily on that, but it's more just in terms of recognising these different experiences are the different kind of way that someone sees us, sees people in the world and the way that we as individuals feel yeah, about ourselves. But, but also if you think about America, mm. like that becomes incredibly dangerous yeah. because then, then there's people, you know, who get shot and killed and do you know what I mean? Well, because oh, of those profile. social just, structures. Sorry, yeah, I was, I was talking more about women walking just, the street feeling... Oh yes, yeah. so particularly vulnerable. No, no, that's. Different. I don't mean yeah. police officers yeah. who yes. have you know, f f you know, kind of fed themselves on a diet of racism and yes. and, and all sorts of things and and Enab justify been enabled with yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's no, that's totally. And what I was thinking about when you talked about gestures, so yeah. this idea of like putting your hands in your pockets, yeah. how that then becomes a sign for those police to be able to shoot or act, or yeah. it becomes this whole you're language, doesn't for it? A weapon it's just... or you're, well, it's, yeah. it's a total cover, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's um it's a nonsense. It's mm. it's 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 so dark mm. <laughs> I, you know, I'm laughing because it's, it's just so disturbing yeah. that it can be used and because they, they know exactly how they can use mm. yeah he, he went for something mm -hmm. I thought he was gonna you know all you have to have mm -hmm. the belief that something was gonna happen and that's that yeah to like that. that's, that's justified yeah but um you know I'm not a lawyer but no. so I don't want to you know get too deep into that but yeah I just do it is about an awareness and I think you know I've probably spoken before but my work is about trying to create an awareness, an awareness of oneself, an awareness of one's own internal state, but mm. then also the the mechanisms, the the learnings, the you know that create that, and that also so which then impact 
on other people. Mm. And yeah, you because know, I am so <laughs> kind of fascinated by why do I, why do I think that? Why did I, why do I feel that? Or why do I you know? So and I guess it's an inquisitiveness to like to kind of poke the other person. I guess my artwork's almost like trying to poke the other person. Yeah, go, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, they've been described as booby traps before. You know, like cause have they? In the sense that, you know, you have these things which look like they could be a classical sculpture or they're done in a particular way, yes. which, you know, looks seductive. And then before you know it, you know, so before the small pieces, you're face to face with a, a question or a proposition or a, a sort of, yeah, this sort of inquisitive thing about what are you looking at? What do you think you're looking at? You know, and then people feel vulnerable. They're like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> Maybe that's the essence of what art is, though, and can has the potential to be, you know. It doesn't like, have to do because otherwise then it's just decoration. It's, yeah, and it's just oh that's yeah. pleasing to the eye. Done. You yeah, have yeah, to yeah. challenge. I did. Challenges. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, for me, it's about creating work which makes us uncomfortable. Yep. Mm. Which asks questions, which sort of expand our understandings and increases the depth of our knowledge. Um, and yeah, it certainly they're is powerful. about they're uncomfortable, yeah. but they're also powerful and they're incredibly beautiful. Thank you. And yeah. and and in in the kind of the. Walking around and being amongst them feels yeah. really rewarding and special. There is a kind of calmness almost, 100%. which I mean, I haven't even it makes seen me calm, yeah. been there yet to see one yet, unfortunately. But but I feel calm sometimes mm. when I see them. There is a kind of serenity in 100%. it. A hundred percent. I think that partly is because of the scale for the public works. Mm. Is that you know that there's a I talked about an element of vulnerability within the works, um, but I think the scale sort of belies that it. it you don't feel worried or concerned for these individuals because mm. they're, they're nine foot tall. Yeah. You know? So they can they can have vulnerable poses or not have the puffed out chests or the... Wow, dominate. that's really interesting. Sorry, sorry to jump yeah. in there. So they, because they're taller, you don't feel like they're vulnerable mm. in some ways. But imagine if you had them and they were like one foot tall mm. in the public domain. Yeah. There would be a, that would be a whole I different... Think you, I, have you ever done that? No, but, so that's what I use with the... Um, the works that go inside. Yeah. You know, it's about understanding the environments that these works will be seen in mm. and about the likely impact that, that you know, psychological impact that will have on the, on anyone who sees the works. Mm. So, you know, the kind of smaller pieces I do, people do, they feel more care towards them. Yeah. But imagine if that was in the public domain. If yeah. you had like a three foot or a one foot figure just there on the street. For me, that's, it, it, it would kind of, it would certainly be very different. Yeah. And I think it would be a really significant shift in the attitude that someone has when they see that work. Yeah. And I think it would, because it goes so against what we expect to see. Yeah. So in terms of public work, mm. um, Tracy Emma did the, the small bird, didn't she? Yes. Uh, and she did in Australia a load of birds. Yeah. yeah. She did children's well, really. clothing yeah. as well, like yeah. a little lost shoe or a mm. or, yeah, well, tiny little shoes. And Very and clever and interactions yeah. in terms of scale of public works, but also they retain the scale of what we expect to see. Mm. So if you see a one foot tall person, you know, in, in as a sculpture, it's it creates more of a um, curiosity yeah. perhaps than seeing a nine foot kind of right. figure because we are used to seeing large sculptures of people. Mm. It's just how they're presented and who they represent. Mm. Yeah, that so you want different. to be part of that. So I want to use that, that understanding yeah. to to disrupt the expectations to disrupt that learning. Whereas a small sculpture might become too novelty. Or it's, 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 yeah, it would, it would, for me, I think it would draw people down a different path, which yeah. I think, you know, could be used very cleverly. Mm. Um, but for me, I, I guess I'm engaging with this conversation of what we expect right. to see Interesting. in a very particular way and, and disrupting that and saying, but you know, why did you expect that? And, mm. and now how does this feel? And what, what is, what do you, what are you thinking now? 
Interesting. You saying about how you might have been an actor on a different <laughs> <group>. I, <laughs> Terrible actor. <laughs> well, you first started when you was at uh, Chelsea. Was it after Chelsea with your MA or the Royal College of so, Art? And you made yeah. a video of mm. yourself called Lick. <laughs> Which actually, I suddenly thought in COVID times that would be really, really <laughs> Pretty outrageous. But this is a, a video of you licking yeah. a whole gallery space. Yeah, that was at, that was at Chelsea. Yeah, I was doing my my BA. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a work which was I've always been massively into the the idea of the unconscious and how we process information without being you know, aware of it and how that impacts our our conscious experiences. And so this work was about you know, called Licked was about the sort of the idea of coating a gallery space in a layer of invisible saliva and with that kind of with pheromones or some sort of chemical biological kind of element connect to a viewer to give them a sense that there's, there's a something else here there's someone here who i feel you know i feel something and would they take that away with them and it was also an element of the performative so you know would it create this sort of um buzz that people would witness this idiot sort of licking a space and then go away and and, and the rumor would continue you know and so it was about you know this kind of two parallel things happening, um, but uh, about God, I mean, about an hour in, I remember the first time I put my tongue to the wall, it just absolutely stuck to it because you know, uh, the wall was always so dry. So I had oh my god! So I slightly adapted the uh, the technique and I got a, a flannel and, and lots of chewing gum, um, and, a, <laughs> and a little bowl of water to try and lubricate this wall. But basically, you know, it's going through putting my hands up onto the wall as a frame as a reference point, so I knew where I was because. Sounds weird, but you know, until you put your face to a wall, yeah. you don't realise how big the wall is. Yeah. Um, but very quickly, I, you know, I thought this wall was getting dirty, um, dirtier and dirtier. And it, then suddenly I realised it was my tongue that was starting to bleed. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so th this kind of very kind of this, this conceptual work, which had me as the artist sort of almost like you know with a one-up on the viewer in terms of like knowing what's happened here but do you realize it that that dynamic shifted like 180 to the viewer you know watching me get into all these awkward positions to try and cover the walls with, with my tongue but then bleeding onto it so it became a very visual thing and then it became this visual record of basically an individual's efforts to try and cover the walls and so there's this effort essentially to connect to people to that like is your interior as well it's like you're inside yeah, exactly. that's your it's yeah, very exactly. visceral isn't yeah. it yeah and and the smell in the room with the blood and then the, you know, the really? coloring yeah it was oh. and the drips and people thought i'd faked it and that i was using dye or, or paint or something but um no it was how long did the recovery from that take <sighs> i'm still recovering yeah. <laughs> mentally i'm still recovering yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. grafts wow um, it was and i did it for three days um wow. and i it's interesting i look at the so it wasn't supposed to be a, a video work I, I did record it how long did it take sorry to lick the whole three days three days yeah. and what you'd go home sleep I'd go home sleep come back gargle, in listerine go back. <laughs> yeah basically yeah um salt water and i bet the second day you were like why the fuck have i done second this second day was was the yeah it was, was like what what am i doing and having to jump into that that psychological mode of of you know I'm going to do this. Of course I'm going to do this, and this is important. And it's grueling, though. Do you think, though, do you think as it? an it's age, like, that's like you would never do that now? I would never do that. I don't think I'd be able to do that now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's this. We would I mean, people to go like COVID. COVID right yeah, now, yeah, right, right. Like, That's so well, radical. Yeah, but even the physical demand. Yeah, like, it's quite grueling. It was, thing, like, that's a young man's work. I, I, I look at the video now. I'm like, oh, that slim bastard. Um, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to knowingly go into that that position yeah, and do it. There's so many things like uh, when I was first, I did the first uh, bronze 
sculptures than nudes. I was spending over like 24 hours doing those in one go to get them ready in time to show in Chicago. And, you know, if I, I couldn't knowingly go into that position, that, that situation. It was, <laughs> that was really grueling. Um, like I think I had to take to bed for a few days after I finished five of them because my feet were messed up. Wow. Just standing up for so long, um, but with the the lick piece, yeah, I, you know, I, I I look at that and I'm I like I kind of wish I could do that again because mm. I think it's a it's a work that could function different places. But mm. I think that for me, it's the video footage that exists now as the work, and the under that idea exists as the work. Mm. And um, you know, I'd love to show it properly uh, as a, a museum show. Yeah, as a museum show, as, yeah. It's, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's. It's powerful. It's, it's, yeah. it's really dynamic, and I just think that you know, it's not like I can. And I gross. It's kind of gross, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, that's all your gold all over the wall. Yeah. I mean, the people who came in afterwards to clean that up must have been like, "What?" So I, I had to repaint it. Um, oh, afterwards. that was that part. Of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. and and uh, had to get it repainted, but it, it, the the blood it just came through. Oh my god! <laughs> so it had to be boarded over. Uh, yeah, Masterboarded so, over, so yeah. your blood's behind there. But behind there, yeah. But it was at Chelsea. It's been years, um, so I think they've, they've, they've knocked like... it down now. I think. For, like, oh probably God! Some luxury flats on Manor. It's a fascinating work, though, on a level of like the body in space as well. Yeah. You know, on so many levels, that's a really fascinating artwork. Yeah. Like it's impressive. What's next for you? What's what's going on? Oh, so well, we got the Windrush. Yeah, so when uh, is that mission? Yeah, um, twenty twenty one. So with Veronica Ryan, you're sharing yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic artist Veronica Ryan, who's um, making pieces um, that will go also in in Hackney. Um, I but think if people go online, they can see the what this image is going to be, what the works. Well, be, the works. So basically, they can they can get an understanding of the kind of thing it will be. It will mm. be you know, large uh, bronze figure or figures. Um, but it, the, we're now looking to to have the launch um, on Windrush Day in 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, on in, on Windrush Day in 21, we're looking to have an exhibition uh, which is going to sort of um, showcase some of the people who've been involved in the process of creating these figures. Great. Um, so that's that's really exciting. Uh, I got lots of uh, other. Is it good to have a commission? Is that like a really rewarding yeah, experience? I, it's it's an interesting experience um, because it feels very official. You know, like I'm used to making. I make work um, that interests me, and that's you know tied into all the other questions I've been asking myself throughout the years. And then when when uh, someone says we want we want that, you yeah. know, we want that, but for us, and it becomes this sort of conversation, um, which which is kind of challenging in terms of the expectations you know like predetermining what you're going to do is quite interesting as an artist mm. um but it's just i just think in terms of what it will be and like or for you know for hackney and for you know the windrush celebrating the windrush generation and 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 the impact and the contribution that's been made to to british society mm. you know that's a, a huge honor um which and the treatment that they that oh yeah. Like the you know the politics of it all. I mean, Still it's happening. Just, yeah, We've got mm. flights going off to, to Jamaica. Jamaica. It's, it's just terrific. I, 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 it's the y- fact that that's ongoing and, and the way that they were treated. That it's just generation. incredibly heartless. It's and yeah. it, yeah, I, even on a political a political level, I just don't understand it. I, yeah, there's this. You know, you think you think about all the other allowances that are made, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you've got people who've been paying their taxes and, and con- mm. contributing for the whole lives. Yeah. You are just you know just straight up good people. Yeah. So at any point, they should be like, if even if they want to say, legally speaking, if they want to use, okay, whatever, but morally speaking, ethically mm, speaking, mm, be human. Mm, look at these people, mm, the lives they, they are living, what you're doing to their lives, 
and just have some compassion. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, I just find it unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah. Unbelievable. So that will that exhibition's going to be 22nd of June then? Yes, 22nd and of June. Yeah. It'll be 2021 and 2022. Yes. So it's going to be like an extended kind of Doubling project. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, I'm really, I feel incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to kind of like have that contact to also get to know more about Windrush and because mm-hmm. yeah, it's obviously might, well, is it an educational centre they're going to set up as well then or oh there might be I don't know that would make sense yeah. alongside like literature and you know stories and everything yeah. you're that's meeting... the other great part of the work isn't it is that yeah. you're going to educate other people yeah. too it would be not so. quite nice to have like a whole I hope it will create awareness because awareness, there's, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of people in, in the UK like, I've talked about Windrush and go, oh, Windrush what's that I know yeah. the ignorance is like pretty yeah. shocking. Well, yeah, we look at how things are taught in the UK. We talk about you know Black History Month. Mm. It's like well, a month. Mm. I, I, it should be integrated into yeah, our understanding of yeah. what has happened in the UK. Like there's so many already different. Already, then that's other. Yeah, that's yeah. other. Oh, we'll that's give you a month, the... and yeah, it's it's yeah. ridiculous, and it's mm. it's really upsetting and a bit yeah disturbing mm. that that is still in 2020 going to 21. That is still the attitude, the accepted. Mm understanding is that yeah, we give you a month mm-hmm. and then you do some special things and then we go back to the real history <laughs> the idea of real history you know like it's ridiculous yeah, it's shocking it's what else then so you got the commission it's gone all blank i've got the commission um i've got lots of uh projects i'm working towards lots of secret things oh secret squirrels uh, yeah a little <laughs> russell loves secrets he wants yes. to expose all the secrets yeah I, I'm, gonna, gonna... I'm gonna stay still on this one because like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. i i until until things are you know and black and white concrete yeah. yeah but i'm i'm really just pushing forward on you know new new bodies of work yeah um and really looking forward to 21 and hopefully showing some more public things yes. but also developing a whole series of uh paintings mm. which tap into the, sort of the original ideas of the animations i was working on uh, and how we how how we exhibit what we're thinking via the eyes and our, how we look at each other and, and look at these things. Are great. I saw things. these in the studio. Well, I, I really want to come to the studio. So <laughs> that's, come. Yeah, yeah. that's what's next for o- you. Open invite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rob's, Rob's, gonna Rob's coming to the studio. studio. <laughs> I've got the commission. Rob's coming to my studio. So, really Thomas, we ask every guest um, two questions. One is if you could do an art heist and take home any artwork, or it could be a public sculpture, or it could be a building, or anything you want, um, we will help you. We will bring a truck. We will bring cranes. Oh we'll do anything you want. Yes, we'll wrap it. Um, what would you take home? Oh my goodness! Um, I feel like the British Museum's got everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe something before they got there. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, you see that guy? He's, he's gone in. Is he French? And he's you know he takes he's taken some of the the um, I'm not sure which country, but the, something from Africa. He took it off the stand and, and tried to walk out of it and got arrested. Um, so maybe maybe something like that. Maybe one of the the Bennings or something from uh, the British Museum. Mm-hmm. What are those? What, what's the Bennings? Amazing. Uh, are they bronzes or are they just um, brass? There's these panels which have uh, figures, sort of, they're like relief panels of these incredibly just beautiful um, figures. These, I think they're royal figures. Mm. Um, I'm going to get done for like my lack of art uh, history here. But I just remember going to the British Museum with my mum mm. and going down to the dubiously dark African basement Mm. You know, I don't know why they do that. Why can they take it up to like where they have the uh, classical Greek stuff? But um, and looking at these truly beautiful arrangement of panels, uh, yeah, reliefs of figures, and and just I don't know, it's like magical. You know, it's mm. so. Do you want them for yourself, or you want to return them? I I think I would uh, take them to return them, but I might take the long like route, a mold maybe. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll just take a long route around. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, travel. If I could get, if you guys could get me like a nice train or something, and or a ship, or yeah, I could have them up on a wall. 
I so you want to go on a cruise? You want to cruise? I just want to cruise. Do you want to take these? We want you. I want to be on a cruise. You can live with the work, and then you can. I mean, there's so many things out there. I don't know. Like you know, before you know, a lot of the troubles happen in Egypt. I really want to go and see the pyramids, just because I know it sounds like a cliche, but in terms of trying to get a real world experience with the, the, the scale. Yeah, the oldest architecture. And also yeah. the, the, the Benin bronzes, they've got over 900 of them at the British Museum. Yeah, nice camera. They wouldn't even notice if you took a few they, they, well, Yeah. No, we should take all 900. Oh, really? Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll take them all back. Heavy. That's yeah. heavy, though. No, but it's... Because no, if you get back there, they'll, they'll say that like, you missed a couple and then we'll have to go uh, all the way yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, back and forth. You know, I think because a lot of... With the Newman heads, you know, these, these aluminium heads I've been working with, they are definitely influenced by ancient Egyptian representations of deities wow. and, and yeah. their their leaders and i would love to to, to kind of check those out but, but I, I don't staring straight ahead comes from the egyptian sculptures yeah. doesn't it like Absolutely. the gazing into eternity yeah, that's totally. what the, all the sarcophaguses yeah. had and yeah yeah i, I love that stance but maybe you that, but your work at the beginning had a lot of well, you still do do that but you have a lot of characters so, that do staring yeah they eternity. do so actually it, it moved towards the kind of that forward gaze um with the open eye socket yes things, the, the open pupils that you know that the viewer kind of feels that last moment of psychological sort of awareness i guess um but the the initial smaller pieces were a lot more exaggerated in terms of their expression so they were a bit more like freeze frames in a, in a moment where someone might be biting a lip or looking to one direction um to you know because i felt with the smaller scale they were able to um retain this kind of idea of motion mm. without it becoming disturbing or overwhelming um and then as the figures start to get larger or the heads got larger i wanted to really work with how i guess formally the the the, the they balance themselves you know how they how they balance themselves in our minds so i i felt like these it's like cinema versus tv you know the the the, the size of the gesture changes and yeah. the impact changes yeah. and so i wanted the i had to i had to make it more cinematic perhaps and and kind of pare down the the gestures refine mm. the gestures and all, because knowing that the impact would be larger right um so yeah i didn't really answer your question did i, no. I think i would like to steal more contemporary work cuz i feel like you know but you you look more to classical like antique historical sculpture as uh, inspiration rather than contemporary sculptors, I, modern I, art. I sculptors. have to be honest, I do, I do, um, because I think that my yeah, it kind of I mix that kind of classical and the, you know whichever country you want to talk about um, with basically the contemporary experience I have. So you know, like these these coloured bases for like the bronze heads from cars. You know, because I was looking at how stuff, yeah. plimps status, cars status. Mm -hmm. You know, like matching them together so bringing mm. the contemporary into you know inverted commas classical um so you know i i, I like you know, i like kind of fragrances and stuff like that so the, the the licked piece was actually because i was fascinated with fragrance and i was really interested in how smell has such a huge psychological psychological impact yeah. on us and so all the basically anything i have as a hobby or as a, as a you know i enjoy ends up in the work <laughs> and becomes consumed by the work and i have to find another one and then so it's like this endless pursuit so I don't know. I think if I could get away with it, I'd probably, yeah. Nick a Kerry James Marshall, I think, actually. Yeah? Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, I'll never be able to afford one. Um, but have you I, met him before? I have. He's absolutely amazing yeah, guy. He's man. such a lovely man. Yeah. Um, and just very generous with his time and his thoughts. And um, yeah, it was, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. but um, That was a good one. Yeah. I didn't even know he was my hero until I met him. Oh. <laughs> All right. And the other question is, what is your favourite colour? Oh, dear. I used to only wear blue. What blew everything? Blew everything, yeah. Um, well, as, well, did you know why you did that? Or laziness? Right. Um, <laughs> I, just double denim. We're talking about like bewitched, <laughs> bewitched style. Or 
Oh my god, I'm just checking. Did I, did I do double? <laughs> yeah. I think 2001, <laughs> I, I, I might have cracked yeah, out yeah, double yeah. Devon. Like, We've all done double Devon yeah. at some point. Britney and Justin. Yeah. Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake rocked it, didn't Inspiring. they? I did double Corduroy the other day. I'm not sure. Ooh, double Corduroy? Yeah. I do double Corduroy. Okay, that's good. Oh. I love double yeah, Corduroy. Right. I sure. Oh, all right, ladies. I stepped out that door. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I. There is like there's a the um, Azura blue or the kind of sapphire blue. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's hard. Blue is such a inspiring, comforting psychological effect color. Mm-hmm. You know, I choose all the colored bases for these these heads to try and balance out the different kind of feelings I get from the heads themselves. And I think blue is one I could sustain and just stare at. You know, red. I painted my I painted a bedroom bright orange once. It drove me mad. So you know, it red orange. Yeah. Sometimes. Have you used blue in your work? You use it I, I use I use blue quite a lot for prep drawings and and the, the new painting series I'm doing are going to be using a lot of blue. Right. Um, and I know that it's been used before, but I think it's been used before for a reason, and it's, it's because it's so powerful, um, and it communicates in a lot of different ways. So I think you know it's the sea, it's the sky. What is it? Depends on what kind of blue. Yes. I like the fact that you can shift the, the slight hues of it and, and have massive differences in, in how it comes across and how it feels. Yeah. And how those colours can or those hues can play and the shades can play and the translucencies. You know, I'm getting carried away. Um, no, no, no. I'm a blue fan. Yeah. You know, I've going back to the thing about scent, I've just got this thing in my brain right now, but there's this amazing little sort of magazine. It's mm-hmm. like a really small little uh, publication maybe like 30 40 pages and it's a woman who's uh she makes perfume so she's mm. a nose and um she documents little stories of relationships she's had mm. and then at the beginning of each one there's a kind of scratch and sniff bit of the page <laughs> where you get to smell the scent yeah. that reminds her of them and because she's a perf- she's she she looks at the world through smell yeah i really want to find it because it, honestly it's an amazing like i got one for tilo heinzman and he loved it it's such an, it sounds a bit weird but it's an amazing book it's so so cool and I think you'd find it really fascinating because it's a psychological sniff of your life. So it's if a... I was to scratch and sniff you, what would it smell like? <laughs> Babes, so... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've got that the, the, the fragrance that always comes to, is Frederick Mal's um, oh. French Lover. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 you, you a French the, Lover. Angelica, <laughs> Angelica seed based. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He knows. Told you I'm a fragrance man. He knows. You guys wear cord, double cord. Yeah. You both know <laughs> But I like Frederick. You understand? I like, I like <laughs> yeah, Frederick. You're allowed in, yeah. I what like Frederick the... Mal. made it to boot camp. Yeah. I like Frederick Mal before he got sold or whatever. Because I think happen? about two years ago. Yeah, me But too. I, I was wearing the fragrance before that. And also Dries Van Noten's fragrance, mm. the one that he made, which has like vanilla and croissants and kind of all these Bussons. kind of yeah it's got all these really Bussons. yeah there were smells that remind him of like family I think and growing up or something mm. I loved his, his really weird fragrance that one but I really loved the story behind that one mm. I'm going to find that book for you and send Please, it because it's really weird because yeah. it's about psychology as well so it's about the psychology of smells yeah. in the relationship it's yeah. really interesting uh, great well, thank you so much. Well, Thomas J. Price. It's been the dream. Um, it's been so nice doing it in person. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. here we've been doing them all remotely for so long yeah. now. It's so wonderful to... No, it feels good. ...be in the no room. more webcams. Yeah, zoom, <laughs> zoom out the window. But uh, for everyone listening, everyone we're talking about to be images on, our, images on our Instagram at Toolcart, and you're on Instagram. I am indeed. What's TP your handle? Studio. TBG. TP Studio. TP Studio. I didn't think it through. That's good, though. <laughs> at TP Studio. And uh, we'll be back again next week right we'll be back very soon thanks for listening thank you Thomas we love you bye bye
You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.